0: I stand up.
1: Good morning. morning. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the Acts of the Apostles, Chapter Four. I'm thinking specifically about verse twelve. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby men must be saved. I just simply want to welcome everyone this morning in this place of worship. I realize that there are people gathered all around the world, maybe on different time zones, but gathering in, on the Lord's day in the house of God. In the name of Jesus, I want us to realize this morning the great power that there is in that name. The world around us uses the name of Jesus sometimes casually, sometimes in vain. But the church of God today uses the great name of Jesus with power. We meet in the name of Jesus. I don't know where all you've been this week, I know where some of you have been. And the power of the name of Jesus has given you victory. It may be small. Situations in your life. Maybe you didn't even realize it. (coughs) But it may have been something large. (coughs) Something that you could not have overcome on your own. And when we stop and think about it, we can't overcome any day, any circumstance, any situation without the powerful name of Jesus. This is a terrific account. Peter and John preaching in the name of Jesus. It has has totally thrown the community upside down. In verse 7, they say, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power? Or by what name have you done that? And they're speaking about specifically about the healing of the impotent man. 5,000 souls had come to know Jesus. A man had been made whole. Peter, verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? And that that phrase strikes me personally. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a terrific Christian family but I fell from God as a young man. And I not only fell away from God, as I look back in my own personal life, I fell apart, disjointed, fragmented. Verse 9 tells me that the power of Jesus in the Holy Spirit can make us whole can bring us back together, can reunite our wayward bodies, our fallen souls, and our separated spirits, and make us one in him, reunited, whole. If you know Jesus this morning and you have totally given your life to him, you can be whole in the name of Jesus. Be it known, verse 8, to all of you. And I've already read this. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. That tells me that if you feel fragmented, if you feel fallen, if you're honest with yourself outside of Jesus Christ, you are not only away from God, but you have fallen apart. And in the name of Jesus, you can be made whole. You can be made one by His name. And so we can get all caught up. And I enjoy the studies of doctrine and theology and all the mechanics of of our belief but really when it gets right down to it we set all of that aside and it is in the name of Jesus only that we are made whole this is the stone which was set at naught of all builders which has become the head of the corner there is there neither is there salvation in any other For there is none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. And it goes on, and it says, the people could tell that they had been with Jesus. Verse thirteen, verse seventeen. But this spread; that they were warned that they not spread this any further among the people let straightway threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus i think even even the rulers even the people that were trying to subdue them realized that there was power in that name and it was growing. Verse 24, when they heard that, they lifted up their voices to God and and great things began to happen in the church in that time. Verse 33, well, 32, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. They brought all things together. And it says in verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And so we meet in the name of Jesus this morning. The powerful name of Jesus. There is but one name. By which we can be saved. There is but one name that we gather this morning. There is but one name that we are, those of us who have been fallen apart, are made one, are made whole in the name of Jesus. And it says here, that comes with great power and with great grace. And I love those phrases. We meet with great power and with great grace this morning. I don't know what our brother's going to speak about this morning. Pray. Pray hard. He's struggling. He shared with me. But I have confidence that if we gather in the name of Jesus this morning, and Brother Phil preaches in the name of Jesus this morning, and you are praying in the name of Jesus this morning, that this service will come with great power and with great grace. Hallelujah. Let's come before him in a word of prayer. Brother Kidron, would you lead us in prayer, please?
2: Almighty God, Father in heaven, we stop in this point in our service and we bow before you uh, as Lord of our lives, as the creator of the earth. Thank you, Lord, for giving us uh, this congregation of believers, of your people, uh, coming together to worship you so that we can all be built up. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit here um, to to fill us up and to bring um, salvation to all, to any that are fragmented like Bart talked about. We just praise you for all that you've done for um, for the Sunday school this morning. We thank you for the, the messages that came, and we are looking forward to what your spirit has to say to us. We pray for Brother Phil as he um, brings us the message that you will speak. Um, impromptu as it may be, Lord, you are so powerful that we are certain that you will provide. So... I just want to thank you for Jesus and for uh, what he did on the cross. Uh, Deaton talked about it earlier, how it was not pretty, but the, the salvation that he brought to us, we can't pay for it. We give you our life, and, and we just commit to you this day, Lord, to uh, follow after. We, we pray that you'll soften our hearts for the message you'll bring, and we just pray for the, the furtherance of this service. That above all, it be a glory to you. And I pray in the name of Jesus, and let's all pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
0: Sing 472. 472. I think we've only sang this here once or twice before. Um, the reason I chose this song is the sword behind it, if I can share it a little bit. The author of this hymn, Annie um, Flint, wrote this song. I think I shared this before two years ago. Um, she became a believer young. She was an um, orphan. Her parents died, and then her adopted parents died. As the young lady, she developed arthritis, she became blind, and several other health maladies. And then she wrote this hymn, the end of her life. And if you read the words, it fits in really well with what we're experiencing this morning, and what I'm experiencing in my own life, and what we're experiencing in the world around us on a greater scale. With that, the all-supreme power of Christ is available to all of us. So, <clears throat> let's sing. He giveth
3: with more grace
4: Turn your Bibles to the 35th chapter of the book of, I, of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 35. <clears throat> I think uh, Brother Ken asked a question in our Sunday school this morning, something to the effect that we made a statement that it's hard... So Ken, I'm probably not going to get this quite right, but it's hard to... Um, look at what is happening in the Ukraine and in Russia and the missiles that are flying into hospitals and things and, Lord, where are you? How can you let this happen? I think it tears at all of us when we see injustices done. And despite the fact That those missiles are destroying lives every day. In this nation, we are slaughtering 3,000 babies every day. I don't know how God sees all that. I think Ken made the statement that we have to believe that in the end, God will do what is right. He will justify the holy. And he will deal in fair judgment with the unholy. Where I'd really like to go is Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. But I'm not going to this morning. I'm going to lay a groundwork for that. That'll have to come another day because it seems like that fits more where we are I'm going to do a fair amount of reading this morning I will be honest with you I got up at 3 30 that's what I like to do to study I studied for three hours this morning but I didn't know I was going to speak that's not an excuse the Lord <laughs> if we believe in Jesus as brother our brother told us in the opening and we're looking for him anyway So I'm going to begin reading in this 35th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And this is going to deal with a nation. Now, there's something I want to say before we start. There have been two nations down through history that I'm aware of, at least in the scripture, that are no more. And that first nation is um, Esau which is um, Edom. And it's interesting The Edom came from the Edomites, and we're going to see that, we're going to read that in a little bit. And if you remember, King Herod was from that. That's where he came from. And King Herod wanted to kill, remember? He wanted to kill by the work of the devil. He wanted to kill all the male children so that he could cut off the seed of the Messiah that was to come. And the story of the Edomites, which is Esau, is not good. It's terrible. What's interesting is you cannot find a map today and it says, well, here is Edom, or here is Esau. It's not there. I'm a little bit unsure whether or not any of the, those people, their genealogy is left or not. But they are not a nation. They were. The other nation that has been cut off and cannot be found at least until 1948, was the Jewish nation. They no longer existed as a nation. The people were scattered to the four winds of the earth. And yet, by a miracle of God, as he had promised, he brought them back in, and in 1948, Israel became a nation. That has never happened before. It will not happen again. They are his chosen people. So we wanna pick it up, and he's going to talk about Edom, called Mount Sir, Sir here. And let's read, begin reading Ezekiel 35, verse one. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Sir and prophesy against it. And say unto it, thus saith the Lord God, behold, O Mount Sir. I am against thee and I will stretch out mine hand against thee and I will make thee most desolate. And I will lay thy cities waste and thou shalt be desolate and thou shalt know that I am the Lord because thou hast perpetual hatred and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity and in the time that their iniquity had an end. And I think he's referring here when they came out of Egypt they wanted to pass through Edom and they wouldn't let them and Israel had to go around and so the Lord is remembering that and I want us to learn something real simple here sin has a final consequence that is eternally damning that is the reason we cannot find Edom they hated the Jewish people they hated God's people they did what was wicked It is no different today, brother and sister. When we do not listen to the voice of God and we think we get away with it, we hide it, whatever it is, there will be a payday. And God is going, we're going to see that in one sense. Edom here is a picture of all of fallen humanity. The eternal blessings are gone. Sixth verse, Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will prepare, prepare thee unto blood, and blood shall pursue thee, since thou hast not hated blood, even blood shall pursue thee. Thus will I make Mount Sir most desolate, and cut off from it him that pisseth out, passeth out, and him that returneth. And I will fill his mountains with his slain men in thy hills and in thy valleys and in all thy rivers. And they shall fall that are slain with the sword. And I will make thee perpetual desolations. And thy cities shall not return. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Because thou hast said these two nations and these two countries shall be mine. That was Judah and Israel. That's the two nations and we will possess it whereas the Lord was there. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will even do according to thine anger and according to thine envy, which thou hast used out of thy hatred against him. And I will make myself known among them when I have judged thee. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord and that I have heard all thy blasphemies, which thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying they are laid desolate, they are given us to consume. Thus with your mouth ye have boasted against me, and have multiplied your words against me, and I have heard them. Thus saith the Lord God, when the whole earth rejoiceth, I will make thee desolate. As thou didst rejoice in the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so will I do unto thee, thou shalt be desolate, O Mount Sur, and all Idumea, even all of it, and they shall know that I am the Lord." I think there's a warning here. And I don't even know exactly how to articulate it, so I'm praying the Spirit will speak to you. Israel had fallen and sinned greatly, and we're gonna see that in a little bit, and that's the reason all this happened. It's the reason that Edom came against Israel, because God caused it to happen because Israel was in sin, and yet God, made Edom pay for what they did because even Israel in their sin was still God's. This is what I want to say to you. There are all kinds of denominations. I don't agree with a lot of them. I don't understand. They do things that I think are contrary to the word of God. They may be in the wrong. We better be careful being too hard on them that's God's business so here we find Israel had fallen God's people and Edom used it and God said I don't approve and I'm going to annihilate you for what you've done to my people so when we see the name of the Lord promoted and they may not practice like we do they may not look like we do they may not understand the word of God exactly the way we do they may speak different languages, different color of people, different culture, whatever it may be. If they promote the word of Jesus Christ, be very, very careful speaking against them. That's God's business. And somehow, somehow the church of Jesus Christ must learn to do two things. Interpret and stand on this word is the best they know how. And be very, very careful with anyone else. Our Lord will bring justice where justice is needed. And he will bring mercy and forgiveness where he knows the heart of the people. And we don't. And so we need to be careful. I'm not ashamed today to be here and be called an Anabaptist or a Duncan Brethren or whatever. Cornerstone. It's all right. I'm here because basically this is what I believe. I wish no ill on anyone else. That declares the name of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful they are there. I've learned to do something in my lifetime that I did not know earlier. I drive, as many of you know, I drive a fair number of miles every, every week. I used to do more than I do now. But a lot of it is back roads and country roads. And I see little churches. A lot of times go through the little burgs, and there'll be a little burg that's not even hardly big enough. And there'll be at least two churches there. And a lot of times when I drive by, I just pray for them. I don't know anything about them. But their name says they're Christian. And I'm thankful that they are there. And I leave the rest with the Lord. So here we find Edom. And God says, you're going to be desolate for what you've done to my people. Well, what's he going to do for Israel? Let's read chapter 36 or at least a portion of it this morning. Also thou son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel and say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy has said against you, Aha, even the ancient high places are ours in possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God, because they have made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, that you might be a possession unto the residue of the heathen, and ye are taken up in the lips of the talkers, and are in infamy to the, of the people. Therefore, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains and to the hills, to the rivers and the valleys, to the desolate wastes, and to the cities that are forsaken, which became a prey and a derision, to the residue of the heathen that are round about. I wanna stop there. If we would go back, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm gonna say the 1930s and before, and you were to go into Israel, it was desolate. Completely desolate. There was two things. There was, there was uh, desert and there were swamps. And um, I think it was uh, Mark Twain in 1870s that went to Palestine. It wasn't Israel then. He went to Palestine. And he came back and said, it's an absolutely desolate, worthless place. And God said, and what he's talking about here is their sin. He left that place totally desolate. And yet he had promised through the Abrahamic Covenant and really through the Davidic covenant, Covenant and some others that he would restore it. But there was a time when that place was totally dead. Nobody wanted it. None of the nations, they didn't argue it. World War II didn't start because of that. It's amazing. And so it was a totally desolate place. Sixth verse. Fifth verse, therefore thus saith the Lord God, surely in the fire of my jealousy I have spoken against the residue of the heathen and against all Edomia which have appointed my land and to their possession with the joy of all their heart and with despiteful minds to cast it out for prey. Prophesy therefore concerning the land of Israel and say unto the mountains and to the hills, and to the rivers, and the valleys, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I've spoken in my jealousy and in my fury because ye have borne the shame of the heathen. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I have lifted up mine hand. Surely the heathen that are about you, they shall bear their shame. But ye, O mountains of Israel, ye shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. For behold, I am for you and I will turn unto you and ye shall be tilled and sown. And I will multiply men upon you of all the house of Israel even all of it, and the city shall be inhabited, and the waste shall be builded. They tell me that there are actually five different weather zones in the land of Israel. And they export more variety of fruits and vegetables than any other nation on the earth. Now, you got to remember, 75 years ago, that was not the case. What we're seeing is the prophecies of God being fulfilled in Israel. And the blessing that is there, technology, water, agriculture, even the United States leans heavily on the technology that is learned coming out of that little sliver of land. It's only been there for a few years. And God is promising, and we're reading it right here, that He says, I'm going to restore you. If you want to know what's happening today and this is a bunny trail right now, but if you wanna know what's happening in Ukraine, you wanna know what's happening in China, and you wanna know what's happening in Iran, which is Persia in the scripture, and you wanna know, look at Israel. That's where it's all going. It's all headed there. This is God's people, and we're reading the blessings that he's going to pour out upon them. 11th verse, and I will multiply upon you man and beast and they shall increase and bring fruit. And I will settle you after your old estates and will do better unto you than at your beginnings. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. There's still a part of the promise to Israel that is not fulfilled. They still don't know him. It's gonna come. We know that because the physical part has already been fulfilled. And so perhaps, I say perhaps, we are sitting on the edge right now of when the spiritual is about to be fulfilled and it gives them a new heart. That's later on. Yea, ye, I will cause men to walk upon you, even my people Israel, and they shall possess thee, and thou shalt be in their heritage, and thou shalt no more henceforth bereave them of men. Israel is going to be a populated. I forget how many thousand people will pour in a week to Israel even now. Thus saith the Lord God, because they say unto you, Thou land devourest up men, and and hast bereaved thy nations. Therefore thou shalt devour men no more, neither bereave thy nations any more, saith the Lord God. Neither will I cause men to hear in thee the shame of the heathen any more. Neither shalt thou bear the reproach of people any more. Neither shalt thou cause thy nations to fall any more, saith the Lord God. There's going to come a time when God's people, whether by faith through Abraham or whether they just be biologically Jewish people, going to, there will come a time when the Jewish jokes will stop completely. And God will dwell among his people. And the heathen that come in, and we're not going to take the time to show that again today, but the heathen that come in through faith in Jesus Christ will become sons and daughters of Abraham by faith, and they are included in all of this blessing. And I, <clears throat> the way I would understand it, and I, I'm, I don't, you know, if there's someone else that's learned, I'd like to hear your your point of view. If I understand the scriptures correctly, the time will come when the millennial reign comes, and that thousand years of goodness, and God's people. And the Lord will bring back those that he has raptured with him. And they will rule and reign with Christ a thousand years on this earth. Brother and sister, that's you and me if we are faithful to him. The great day is coming. All this blessing that's going to be poured out, we're going to be in there right in the middle of it. We're going to see it. It's going to be unbelievably wonderful. It has been said the day will come when the land of Israel will be as the Garden of Eden and if that's the case i don't know what that means again but i tell you when i bite into a red delicious apple when it's ripe it's wonderful i don't know what it would have been like in the garden if there was no sin and the nutrition was perfect and the digestive system was perfect and our taste buds were perfect i don't know can you imagine what it's going to be like when our lord returns? And we come with him and we're reading just a little bit of what the Lord says he's going to do. Okay, let's read on. Moreover, the word of the Lord said unto me, son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it. I wanna stop here. So the question has to be asked, what in the world did they do that destroyed them as a nation? That God had to extend this great, great mercy to bring them back again. There must've been something that they did. I want to know what it is, right? Let's read. Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way, and by their doings, their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. This is talking about the menstrual cycle of a woman. Wherefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed among the countries according to their own way and according to their doings. I judged them, and I want to stop here. Two things. Brother and sister, if he's going to do it to his people, and the people that he loves, you think he will do it to the Gentile nations? Two things. One of them says the shedding of blood. In some places it says the shedding of the innocent blood. I already mentioned abortion. I'm afraid there's a lot of Christian churches that are all worked up about what's happening in Ukraine. And I understand that you do too, but we've become very, very callous to what's happening right here. And our times of prayer, I wonder how many of us, you know, we're an Anabaptist group and and we don't, sometimes the Catholics kind of get a bad name among us and all that. I'll tell you one thing about the Catholics. They have signs up, and they continually pray for the unborn. Maybe we could learn a little lesson there. That's one thing, the shedding of blood. And I don't think it's just the babies. I think it is the abuse of the home. It is the abuse of of mankind with one another. It is the destruction that is taught in the schools. It is the wickedness that is held up as good, and good is condemned as evil. And the blood of men die because of the sin that's there. And that's the reason, as the church of Jesus Christ, every believing, I don't care where they are, not just here, we need to be a separate kingdom. We don't belong to that world. That world will condemn forever. And we will be as Edom, we will be destroyed and wiped off spend eternity in a terrible place. You'll notice the second one's there. And he said, for their idols were with, they polluted the land. I don't know. We had this discussion recently with some others. I'm not too sure what all is an idol. You can find a lot of definitions Basically, in my mind, I would tell you is an idol is anything, anyone or anything that takes precedence over the worship of my Lord, anything, anyone. We have any idols? One of the, one of the problems with sports, this is just me, my opinion, you, you weigh it in the spirit. I like sports, you know that. Go Bucks. One of the problems with sports is, they become preeminent. And that becomes more important if the Buckeyes are playing today, that's more important than going to a Wednesday night Bible study. Because they're playing a big team and I have to see them. One of the problems with sports is, it keeps us from in the Word of God, it keeps us from mission, it keeps us from outreach. We need to be careful. A lot of us men, and I know the word of God tells us we're supposed to work, and we do. Work hard. Sometimes we work too hard. Do we have any idols? My farm has to be look the best. My equipment has to be whatever. And we get caught. Idols, two things. The shedding of blood and idolatry will condemn a soul it will condemn a family, it will condemn a nation. We need to be careful with those. This is the reason that Israel was scattered to the four areas of the earth and they no longer existed as a nation, didn't even exist. And when they entered into the the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name when they said to them, these are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his land. You know what? When you and I who claim the name of Jesus, we go into the workplace, we go into the education place, we go to the church, we go to the sporting event, I don't care what it is, and we misrepresent our Lord, the heathen laugh and we lose our testimony. One of, the, one of the things in our day, and again, this is me, so you, you do with it what you want. This is, this is Phil speaking, I think, I trust by the spirit, but you judge. We live in an immodest world. It's just plain wicked. The billboards are wicked. The advertisements are wicked. We're not careful we adopt their ways. Why do, we, why, do we, why do we promote dressing modestly? It's so that when men and women who are heathen and unbelievers and do not know him, they look at us and they say, I see something different. I see a spirit of God in that young lady and that young man and that old man, whoever it is. They are different. One of the greatest things can ever be said of you is you go into the workplace, you are there day after day, and someone says, you're different. Hallelujah. Yeah. We better be. Yeah. I know. It's really hard to just pick out a verse and say, here's modesty. But it seems to me like we have this falls in my mind at least, sometimes, maybe not always, but sometimes at least, this falls into the idol's side of life. I want to look a certain way. It has nothing to do with my Lord. I like to wear that San Francisco 49ers ball cap. Identifies me, right? You need to be careful. You need to be careful. I don't know. 21st verse, but I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen after they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither you want. And I will sanctify my great name. I'm just gonna stop here this morning. People say, where is God? How can you allow all this to happen? God, in His great mercy, despite our failure, despite our government, despite the culture we live in, despite our personal sin, He will glorify His name. And that's the reason we come here today to praise Him. He is the Lord. That's who we praise. And he will glorify his name. If I said everything just right today and I dressed as perfect and the whole thing, Lord knows, it's nothing unless Jesus is glorified. Nothing. And that's the reason we're here. Glorify his name. Like Brother Bart said. I'm going to stop here. It's kind of hard to know where to stop is how I, Keith Bailey used to say he said there's three things Brother Phil and he'd say it to all the ministers three things you've got to be ready to do at any time preach, pray and start hymns I tell people after he heard me sing once he dropped the third one <laughs> but I thought about that this morning I didn't come here planning you know, Keith, you're right. The Spirit of God is not weakened. It's His work, not mine. It's His word, not mine. It's His glory, not ours. May the Lord bless you.